All right. Enough of me running my mouth. Josh, let's get the people Hi. what they want. Let's get the people what they want. <laughs> Who are you? People are like, just let Josh speak. Stop running your damn mouth, Taylor. Uh, get the people what they want. Who are you? What do you do? And we'll go from there. Yeah. So my name is Josh. I'm a software developer and educator from Montreal up in Canada. Worked for a handful of companies doing typical front-end and full-stack software development. In 2020, I stopped doing that. Uh, I should also mention I was teaching part-time throughout some of that period for a local okay. coding bootcamp. Okay. Um, in 2020, with everything shut down and the world seeming the way that it was, I decided to... Uh, that was the perfect time to start my own business, and uh, I created my own courses, and that's what I do full-time now, is I do my own uh, custom courses on my own custom course platform. Appreciate yeah. it, Alex. Um, and I also blog. People may be familiar with my blog, joshwcomo.com. I love it. I love it. All right. So much to dive into this morning. So again, it's so excited to have you. First off, let's talk about, we haven't really talked, I really haven't talked to anybody who has had a successful, the only guy that I've talked to on the pod is Kent, Kent C. Dodds, but Kent had not rolled out Epic Web Dev yet when he came mm. on the show. So like you're, you're the first kind of conversation about building a course, the things that go into it. The first thing I want to do is I want to brag. I want you to brag on yourself, Josh. So Josh was telling me, uh, but behind, behind backstage, how long does it take to build out your courses again? A couple of years. <laughs> a couple of years. Like, of full-time work. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so I told Josh, I said, Josh, I, I said, I'm going to be honest. This is naive of me. I thought you would just like create a course and like, you just like threw it up. And Josh was like, hell no. He didn't say that, but he was like, hell no, probably in his brain. <laughs> Can you talk about like, if there are people that are watching this that want to create a course or are interested in creating a course, what are some things to be mindful of? Yeah. Oh, goodness. It's such a good question. Um, the biggest thing that I see is that a lot of people think that creating the course is step one. Uh, and you can do that. Uh, certainly, there is no one stopping you from creating a course. But the most heartbreaking thing that I see is people will spend, and it always takes way longer than you think. I thought my first course would take three months. Uh, and that was wildly optimistic. You you know, so you you think it's not going to be take that long. You put your heart and soul into it. You work on it for months or years. You launch it to the 17 people that you know on LinkedIn, maybe a couple of your buddies buy it and that's it because you, you, like there's well, no real discover, real discoverability. Yeah, right. And so it's just a matter of uh, don't find yourself in that situation. And the best way to not do that is to start by essentially showing people what your teaching style is. Uh, mm -hmm. So for me, that was my blog. I've been blogging, okay. goodness, since 2016, 2015, something like that. Wow. Uh, first on Medium, then I created my own blog in like 2018-ish. Okay. Um, I've probably published over a hundred blog posts on that blog and many, many more on medium before wow. that. Wow. Um, and that was really useful because it gives people the opportunity to like sample what your style is and see if they enjoy learning from you. And I think that was the most critical thing because when I launched the course, people already felt like they had some amount of understanding of what my teaching style would be, what they would get out of it. And the general thought process is that like, I hope people haven't, <laughs> maybe they don't, but if this is the amount of value, if you give, get a lot of value from the blog, like just imagine how much value is in the course. And that's why it takes me so long to build these friggin' courses because I really try and uh, include a ton of value. Like they're usually pretty comprehensive, pretty big, pretty like large in scope. And my goal is to really have, sorry, go ahead. No, how do you film them? Like, like what's, what's your thought? Is it all screen record? Do you set up a DSLR and kind of go through some stuff? Like I don't know, man. Few that's crazy. Like that, that's like that's making my brain explode a little bit. So, like again, we don't have to go super granular, but like, what are some steps that you kind of keep in mind as you're creating? Yeah. So one thing I should mention is that I built my own course platform. And that's probably a big chunk of why it takes so long, but it was important to me because I really wanted to have total control over the experience. Like there's so, a so you don't of use these... like Gumroad or like anything like that. No. 
Yeah. And, you know, there are uh, off the shelf, like Gumroad is a little bit even more generic. Like there are things like Teachable, Kajabi, like course platforms that are fully okay. functional out of the box. But I wanted to have full control over it. The other thing that I think makes my courses a little bit different is that it's uh, not really a video course. Like there are videos, uh, but there's five content types. There's interactive articles like you'd find on my blog. There are videos. There are exercises, which are small sort of self-contained challenges where you have a live editing environment and you can poke around with the thing that we're talking about. There are mini games, which I think is the real thing that can't exist in like a typical off-the-shelf course platform. And then there are workshops, which are sort of like exercises, but bigger. Typically, those aren't through the course platform. You're going to work on your own machine or in something like Code Sandbox. And it's a chance to like really practice the stuff that we've been covering in the modules. Um, so that like all of those things together, I find is what makes an effective learning experience. Like if it's all videos, then it's so easy for people to like sort of sit back and just like let it stream. I know. And it like feels very productive. Videos. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. If it's all video, it's just it feels uh, it's enjoyable. It's easy. It's relaxing. But then you go from watching the videos to trying to use the skill and discover you don't even know where to start. Uh, but if it's like all hands on, all active, all like here's a bunch of exercises without any sort of context, it can be discouraging, it can be exhausting. So you really want to find the balance of those two things. And I find like mixing the content types makes it easier to sustain attention for longer because it's hard to watch hours of video or do hours of yeah. practice. But if I'm always throwing like a different style at you, then it makes that. it easier to stay engaged. You know, it, it's interesting because I feel like I feel like a lot of I feel like a lot of people go just straight to video watching and, and uh, for the courses because it's easy, relatively, right? Don't watch videos. One thing I become fascinated with because I want to build out something myself, right? And that's more like long term down the road. I may hit you up just for advice uh, down the sure. road, but like, um, how do you pick the problem to train? Because like for me, it's like I get asked a bunch of the same questions. Is that what you do? Do you kind of like? You know, after when you're about to create a course, do you like just sit there and be like, all right, what are the most commonly asked questions I get around the same topic, then build off that? Yeah. I mean, so there's there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, sure. The first is like, how did I pick the topic to teach? Because, you know, yeah. I worked as a developer for a few years. There's quite a few things that I could do. And I made like a pro con list of all the different things that I thought I could cover. And my goal was really to optimize around impact. So I tried to find the thing that like if I could spend 20, 30, 40 hours with a person one on one, like how much of a difference can I make in that time? And the first course that I made was on CSS because I knew so many developers that struggled with CSS. And it's the sort of thing, like if you go to a boot camp, you have all of the weeks and weeks of JavaScript and like maybe an afternoon of CSS. And so often there's just like, uh, we learn CSS as we go. And as a result, it's super shaky and the language feels really inconsistent. So that was really why I chose CSS was that I thought in a small amount of time, I can really get you a ton of uh, proficiency in that okay. more so than I could, you know, if you've already spent hundreds of hours learning JavaScript, I, I think I can probably help quite a bit too, but not to the same extent. Sure. Um, so that was the, the sort of the rationale for my second course react. It was uh, more that there was still an element of that. A lot of developers just struggled with react, but also it was just such an in-demand skill that I thought uh, it would just be really helpful for people in their careers to have, you know, the bullet point on your resume that you have this proficiency. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like, how do I figure out the curriculum? Like, okay, I, decided the topic how do i decide yeah. what I actually cover yeah. um because the 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 route that i've chosen is to be really comprehensive it's really just and i start in like a notion doc where i just like i and a lot of it is like going from course to fine like going from just throwing a bunch of like messy brainstorming ideas onto a thing and then trying to figure out how to structure it. it like what are the modules going to be um but it really is uh like what do i think the most important things to like 
essentially just figuring out comprehensively what are the things that I've seen people struggle with that I think uh, would be really beneficial to know. And then trying to find some way to like weave it into a somewhat like a linear structure that makes sense so that we can go from idea to idea that build on the stuff we've learned previously. But it's tricky. It's it's difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. So so Scott comes in here. Uh, question for Josh. Uh, you have a great knack for finding all these hidden tips slash tricks with CSS, React, etc. How do you find these features and teach yourself how to use them? Is it by accident or by product of interest, etc.? Yeah, I wish I had like. <laughs> like here's the solution like yeah, it's just one like, obvious know, thing. It <laughs> but it's really like a whole bunch of different things like um for css specifically a lot of how i learned was through experimentation where uh and i think a lot of developers can probably relate to this for a long time with css i would be running along building the feature following the design and then something surprising happens like you use the snippet you've used a dozen times before but it the box is in the wrong place the layout is broken my old strategy for this was to like, you know, you look on Stack Overflow, you try to find the problem, you throw like almost random chunks at CSS at the problem. And the moment it does what you expected, you move on, right? You go on with your day. What I started doing was like trying to settle into these problems to say, okay, uh, I found the magic line of code that seems to work, but why does this work? Like how to, yeah. like, let's make sense of this. Because otherwise when I have the same problem in two months, I'm going to have, I'm not going to have any idea how I solved it this time. Um, and in that process, right, in the process of like, okay, um, let me test my assumption here. So if I remove this line of CSS, does it break in the way that I expect? Let me like go into MDN and see if I can learn more about this property or even the right. CSS specifications are surprisingly accessible. And in that process, you learn a whole bunch of stuff that just like is, is really useful to know that you don't often see other places. Sure. Um, sort of like anybody else, I've discovered some of the tips just on Twitter myself. So uh, often I'm just sharing something that I've learned at some point in the past from someone else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, lots of different ways. Uh, but certainly it's, and this is something I say to students all the time. Um, in my courses, I'll often have exercises. And one of the things that uh, is a little bit polarizing, uh, my exercises aren't simply the opportunity to practice what I cover. Often, like we'll cover 80% of a subject and the right. exercise will ask you to make that jump. Um, and a lot of people find this kind of frustrating, but I find it so effective um, where was I going with this thought? <laughs> right. How do I learn different things? Yeah. 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 I was uh, about to say, I was like, I was, I was about to remind you. I knew I was going somewhere there. It, it <laughs> fell out of my brain briefly. Um, and it's falling out of my brain again. Goodness. You're um, fine. right. The exercise is trying to figure out uh, that last little bit. Um, right. In that process, you learn so much more than you do. If you're just, uh, sort of being given a problem. Like if I show you how to do something and then ask you to do it, you can get practice and that's useful. Um, but it's really that extra little bit. Like, let me see if I can give you something that I haven't shown you how to do. Sure. Um, it's just so much more effective. And that is a great way to learn different little tips and tricks because you may discover, uh, like one of the most challenging things is identifying your own blind spots. And this is actually, when I first started teaching at a bootcamp, this was one of my like ulterior motives um, because students have a knack of like asking you a simple question. Like one of the questions for people who know JavaScript, um, what's the difference between a statement and an expression? And like, I open my mouth to start answering that question because I've been working with these things for so many years only to discover that I actually have no idea. <laughs> like I've worked around this blind spot in my own yeah, understanding. Interesting. And it's a great opportunity to like, you know, with the students sit and like, okay, let's figure this out. Yeah. Um, so it is for anybody that really wants to like, uh, go from like intermediate to advanced in terms of understanding a subject, teaching is a great way to do that. I love that. I love that. All right. So a lot of things to cover. I'm sure we could literally just chop it up on your course real quick. 
where where's the best place to to find your courses and and whatnot before we move on to the next topic yeah so uh joshwcomo.com is my blog there's a link to my two courses in the top bar that's sort of my home hub right it's where i have my blog post but it also has links josh i'm gonna put on the banner josh awesome thank you um uh c-o-m-e-a-u you say joshcomo.com joshwcomo.com that look right yep that's it go check that out go check it out uh all right next thing so it kind of goes into kind of what we're talking about, right? So we're building course creation. We're kind of really kind of not building in public per se, but also putting a public thing out there, right? That obviously leads to a lot of building reputation and building brand online, which then kind of leads into speakers, the speaking at conferences. I tweeted something this morning, not even knowing we we're going to talk about this, but everything you put out online is directly reflective of your own brand, your own reputation, right? Who do you want to be known for? So can you talk about, what building reputation online has done for you in your career. And, and, and again, like get braggy, right? I want you to brag on yourself because I want people to know, like, I think people are so scared to take a jump to start posting on LinkedIn, you know, and, you know, people see, you know, guests I bring on about like building the famous courses or building these massive email newsletters. And I think people can get so heady that we all started somewhere. So can you talk about how to get started and then what happens when you start building that reputation? Yeah. Oh, it's, I have so many different uh, things I can say here. Um, I initially started, <laughs> yeah, let's just go for the next couple yeah. hours on this. Yeah, exactly um, how long we got. Strap in, folks. <laughs> when I first started blogging, the main goal that I had wasn't necessarily to like build a reputation that I could then use to launch a course business. I was, you know, um, and it's, it's complicated for in terms of like when I started, because I initially started taking like 2007. So like quite a long time ago, but it wasn't wow. 2014 that I actually like started looking for full-time work. I was doing contract work and just sort of experimentation, going to school for other things, a lot of other like things in that period. Um, and so when I was in 2014 getting started, I think I started blogging 2015 maybe. Um, my goal was really just to get uh, a resource for myself. Like I think I published most of them, but often I wouldn't even publish them because my goal was just to like, see if I understand this thing and build a reference for myself because I had had the experience so many times yeah. of like, you get stuck on a problem, you bang your head on it for a couple hours, you solve it. And then the same problem comes back two months ago and you remember solving it. You're like, you don't what, yeah. You don't remember what the solution was. So uh, that was really like the main thing was I thought this would be a good, like whenever I run into some weird thing and you Google something and you, you know, you have some weird error message, uh, I forget the actual, there's some web comic where it's like, there's no lonelier feeling than searching for an error message only to find a single stack overflow question from six years ago with no answer. Um, Stop. Stop. so like, that's like when you run into those situations, that's like the perfect, Oh, like you solve the problem. Let's write a little blog post about it. Um, so a lot of the, my initial motivation was just to start, uh, my own, just to build my own skills. Just honestly, your own reference. repository, basically like your own right. library. Right. I love that. And I found it super satisfying that I would build these things mostly for myself and other people would see them. And, you know, uh, it wasn't, we're talking like 15 people might see it. Like it wasn't big numbers, yeah. um, which was honestly kind of perfect because it takes a long time to build the skill of writing a good blog post. And so you want to do that oh. practice before you have a bunch of people criticizing it. Dude, I, I, um, this is a sidebar. I, and so I've been doing my vlog now for over a year and, um, pretty much every day, Monday through Friday. And I, like the 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 app time hop where it pushes like old stuff to you my first like nine months of vlogs were fucking terrible like like <laughs> literally they just started to pop up i was like holy cow they were so bad and like no one really watched them and like now like you got to start somewhere like you got to yeah. start somewhere so 
And that's, it's such a good point. And it's exactly the same thing for me. Like I cannot look at my old blog posts. Like there's just so many problems with them. Cringe. Yeah. Uh, but that's the way it goes, right? That's the way it has yeah. to go because it takes time to build that skill. And that's sort of the, there's no other way that it can work, right? You need to start at the beginning without an audience, uh, building your own. So, and it, it helps if you have an, an additional, like, I, it might be tricky if like your driving factor is to become well-known and to like build, like, it almost feels like if that's your reputation, it's going to be so discouraging. Or if that's, your, if that's your intention, it's going to be I so agree. discouraging because it takes so much time to get so to that time. point, um, and so much effort, like so much effort without any sort of payback. If that's your motivation, but if your motivation is just to build a, a reference for yourself or to get practice or to help you understand something, then you're getting the the you know the 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 upside out of it through the entire process. So there's no problem. So you started um, blogging in 2015. You said. Let me actually check that. Let yeah, me go to media. Because I'm curious, how, how many years did it take, right? Like do, when you started to see, for me, it's taken me three years. to really mm. starting to see my career do things because of the things I'm putting out. Do you remember off the top of your head how long it took to really, before it really started moving? You know, because I think people look at guys like you and some of these epic content creators or even people out there with huge followers are like, oh, well, they had it made from day one and it, it's, it's never the case. No, it's the cause and effect is the opposite, right? And I've seen Wes Boss talk about this. Like people will say like, oh, it's easy for Wes Boss because he has a bajillion followers. And it's like, well, how do you think that happened? Like right, yeah. <laughs> it took many, many years. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, my first blog post was published on March 31st, 2014. So earlier than I thought. Um, Unbelievable. And like nobody read any of these blog posts. Like I'm looking now, I probably had once a month for 2015, 2016, 2017. I think in 2017, so three years later, I had one post that made it to the three front years. page of Hacker News. Three so years. like a few thousand people saw that and it was mind blowing to me because up until then it was like a couple dozen, maybe like a really good post would get like 200. Um, so it took many, many years. Uh, and similar story on Twitter. Like I started sharing tips on Twitter. Um, and for a long time I had like, 200 followers. Like I went to a coding bootcamp in 2014. So I had all my coding bootcamp buddies on my list. And for a long time, it was just us. Best like, friends just all like each other. Post. Go Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I no, it definitely that. takes years. And that's why I say that like, it can be really discouraging if you're not getting anything else out of it. But if you can find a way to make it valuable, even if nobody else is reading it, then it's, uh, it gives you the motivation to keep going. And then once you start, uh, like for myself, uh, it was probably in like 2017, 2018 that I first started having the idea that it would be interesting to follow in the footsteps of a West boss or a Ken C Dodds and do the like solo course creator, course creator journey. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until three or four years later that I actually did it. Like it was still yeah. sort of laying the foundation, building my own blog was a big part of that. Like going from medium to having my own joshwcombo.com, the thing that's I see right over here. Um, and then once I had those pieces in place, I started building a newsletter. Like I, I added a, a newsletter sign up, and all of those things, uh, building the audience on Twitter, uh, that made it so much uh, just like more easy for people to trust that the course that I was building would be of a certain quality because they had gotten to know my teaching style and I had had so much practice as well. The other thing that I think if people are looking to become, to follow in those footsteps, and I've seen Wes Boss talk about this too, uh, teach in person at a local coding bootcamp because it's such a good way to help you. Well, first of all, like if you're going to teach the same thing that you taught in the coding bootcamp, you, it's a great way to discover what the beginner frustrations are. Because uh, for most of us, like if we've been doing this for a lot of years, we forget just how how complicated all of this stuff is and how much, you know, like at that boot camp, someone would ask a question and I would answer it at way too high of a level. So my answer wouldn't make any sense to them. And then they would say like, okay, well, that's great. But what do you actually mean by that? And then you'd have to go down a level and down another level. 
uh, and just get to like the, the fundamentals, which is really hard to do if you haven't been there yourself in a few years. So that's yeah. a really good way to get that experience of like just understanding where people are and how to meet them there. I love that. Uh, there is a good question here by Alex. Um, Alex, what does Josh use for blog creation slash hosting? What are some good approaches to get started? Yeah. So can you, can you go quickly, like what you started with sounds like medium and then talk about when you made that decision to go kind of full on hosting? Yeah. So I did start the medium 2014. Uh, let me actually, I should be able to tell this too. Um, medium.com. Does everybody know what medium.com is? Medium.com is, is really the only place where you can kind of discover other articles, right? For these like days, actually, I would probably suggest people start on dev.2, dev.to. There you go. There you go. Because it, It's a similar sort of platform. I'm on there too. Have. I'm on there too. Uh, and honestly, uh, it, take this with a grain of salt because I haven't published myself on dev.2 very much. I, I tried it for a little while where I would cross post to it, but it just didn't seem to be like where I should be spending my energy. Um, sure. But I do think that's like, uh, if I was starting new today, that's probably how I would start is just create an account on dev.2 and start publishing there because there is a pretty big community there. Medium, I, I feel like I very rarely see Medium posts nowadays because they've sort of, with all the paywalls and all the like banners and all this stuff, it just, it's become a less ideal reading experience. Um, and I think they're, they're, from what I've seen, they're trying to turn that chip around a little bit and maybe it'll come back. Yeah. But uh, I would say Dev.2 is probably the best place to start. And I do think creating a blog isn't, like unless it can be a worthwhile exercise, like just as any other portfolio project, right? You may as well create a blog if you're just looking to get some experience practicing building stuff. But the trouble, and I think we've all seen this, is the developer who creates a blog, publishes their first blog post, which is how I built this blog, and then never touches it again. Ever, <laughs> ever. Because maybe you discover you don't like writing blog posts. And so you spend all this time building the, because the, you like coding, so you build the blog platform, but then it's uh, a whole different activity to be writing blog posts and a lot of people just don't like it. So I think that's like the first thing is just see if you like doing this thing. Because if you don't like yeah. doing this thing, uh, and you know, if your goal is to build your reputation, uh, do it, whether it's for course creator or just for helping your own career, there's plenty of ways to do that. You can start a YouTube channel. Uh, you could start a podcast. Uh, like there's a bunch of stuff you could do. Um, so it's worth trying them and finding something that you like. So maybe blogging will be something you really enjoy. Maybe not. Um, but yeah, so that's what I would say. It's just like, see how you feel about the, the actual craft of writing. Yep. Um, I was on medium from whatever I said before, May, 2014, I think mm -hmm. to May, 2018. And I can tell that because I have a blog post, May 25th, 2018, my new explorable interactive blog where I was getting people from waveforms or from, sorry, I'm reading something here from medium <laughs> to my own blog. Um, so yeah, I do think, uh, and yeah, I, actually I should share that too. I had created a project called Waveforms, which uh, was sort of a blog post, but not really. Um, it was a, an interactive explorable about how sound works. So I had this little sine wave that would change and text that would scroll oh, nice. on the side. Yeah. Um, and that was really what gave me the idea because really um, I could have just kept publishing on Medium. Like I, you don't need to have your own blog. It is nice yeah. that you can control the UI. Um, but that depending on whether you enjoy design or not, that can be a pro right. or a con. Right. Um, but really the thing that I wanted was the ability to embed just custom stuff. Like I wanted to be able to have like a demonstration that shows how this thing works. And you can kind of do that with like code pen embeds. Like you can have a little iframe that you can drop an HTML, CSS, JS snippet in, but it's not the same, right? It's really cool if you can literally just like build whatever you would build in an application in your own blog. Um, yeah. So I <laughs> realize I've gone uh, quite a way from this question. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, and speaking about courses, James Quick just dropped in. James, it's good to see you, buddy. It's really, really hey, good James. to see you. Um, <laughs> uh, and then let's see here. Um, uh, Rizal, former guest of the show. 
also said hash node is nice too yeah yeah, yeah. but mm, dev, yeah dev, dev2o i think i'm on hash node too um but yeah absolutely um talk about as we wrap up here next five minutes josh um and again thank you again for coming it's just been a wonderful conversation catching up with you um talk about man talk about the importance of speaking um i know you mentioned about going to local meetups i think that's incredibly important um you know why people should consider speaking because i because listen you can have a wonderful career there's a lot of, we all know there's a lot of people out there who like don't do any of this stuff um and they're totally successful and make a lot of money i'm not saying you have to do it but why do you think it's it's good that you do this for your career yeah let me first uh because i realized i only answered half of the previous question the question was oh, like okay. what tools do i use very quickly I oh yeah and react um but i don't actually think it matters that much like I chose the tools that I did in part because they're the tools that I already knew and I didn't want to be burdened with learning a new thing. The only little caveat I would say is find something like MDX. And if you don't know, it's Markdown with the ability to embed dynamic content. Like just make sure that the tools that you're choosing are like good for the kind of blogging you want to do. But aside from that, uh, you can use whatever you're already comfortable with. I think that's the best way to go. There you um, go. Conference speaking. Yes. Yeah. It's and just, uh, and just being public, right? The whole social mm -hmm. proof in your career. Why, what, why should people really take serious that it's really advantageous um it's funny actually i i started really getting a larger audience uh around the time that i started creating courses so i left my full-time job in mid 2020 um and it seemed like as of that point like the moment i committed to doing my own thing i got so many like really interesting seeming offers like people would say like hey uh we, we know of your work we see the kinds of things that you're interested in here's like a role that is like beautifully crafted for you with all the sort of things that i've seen that you like so you um, actually got like full-time offers from companies after you went out on your own yes and a lot of i think a lot of them were like contracts so it's not exclusively nice. full-time but it is yeah, just yeah. like here's this company that i like with this really interesting sounding thing um one of them that I had to say yes to because I just couldn't say no to it was Adi Osmani, uh, who works at Google, who is the author of many famous, fabulous books, um, was creating an interactive JavaScript explainer um, and wanted me to come like help add some whimsy to it, which like I could not craft a better opportunity for myself. Um, and that's possible because I was sharing the things that I was interested in, right? Uh, it's such a nice little cheat code where if you focus on the things that you really like and become a public person in that field, People will associate you with that thing. And when they need some specialist for that area, they'll think of you. Um, so that's like, just like, it's, it, it's so much like, it seems to me like such a better way to find the sorts of jobs that you really want to do than like going through job listings, kind of hoping that the, the skill that, you know, the very specific thing that you like to do is part of that role, but you never really know. Um, yeah. So that's but like probably Josh, the number one benefit. Here's the age old question. And also James, listen, words are hard, man. Words are hard this morning. Um, uh, do you have to be an expert in the field to post? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, of course not. I wasn't an expert when I started posting. Yeah. Um, you know, I do think like one of the things that is a useful thing to develop is a thicker skin because inevitably Ooh. when you post something, people will discover problems with it. And that has happened to me over and over and over again. A funny thing, I don't know if Devs love oh, to yeah. give their opinion. I've learned that quickly. <laughs> I think I mentioned one of my blog posts in 2018 got on Hacker News and got a whole bunch of views. Um, it was about performance in React. And I had sort of, I, I, don't, I don't remember the specifics, but I had shared like, here's something that's slow and here's something that's fast. Um, I didn't realize, but in my slow version, I still had logging and that logging was slowing everything down. So like the premise of that blog post was entirely wrong. <laughs> like when you, when you solve for that, the two are pretty uh -huh. much the same. 
So like, it's just like, it just happens, right? You're going to make mistakes. You're going to, uh, and people are going to notice them. I don't know if anyone actually noticed that one. I think I caught it myself and very quietly made a little update to try to like just salvage it. No one's going to um, see. Yeah. But that's just the way it goes. And so that's, I think people are afraid of that. Uh, and it, the honest truth is that that will happen because, you know, we're all, because we're humans, we're going to make mistakes. Um, but there's still so much value that comes, not just for you, but for the people who are, that are getting the information that you're sharing. Like it's, mm-hmm. um, it's just that's the way that it has to be, and I think there's uh, it does take a little bit of practice and time to get comfortable with that, but it's uh, and I yep. yeah absolutely like you don't need to be an expert to start sharing. Yeah, stuff. people people always they're like, what if I have haters? I'm like, I'm gonna be honest with you, let the haters fight it on the comments because like low key that helps <laughs> that helps the algorithm <laughs> to boost your right. post. Uh, right. I think the saying goes is like, if you want engagement, post something slightly wrong or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, like. You, you have to embrace what I call healthy discourse, right? I mean, listen, people are going to argue people. Listen, I have, I have had posts that's gotten millions of views on TikTok and Instagram that have talked about LinkedIn and people have lost their damn minds. Hmm. Like you thought I posted some political, <laughs> I mean, you thought I posted something just political nonsense with how much people come at you. And I was talking post about LinkedIn. People are going to argue with you, whatever you post. But I, but, but you, but to cause healthy conversation, it for me is incredibly important. Totally. And then you also learn a lot too, because I've learned a lot, right? I mean, I've, I, when I spoke, uh, me and Kelly Vaughn keynoted Connect Tech last week, two weeks ago, somebody disagreed, multiple people disagree with me in the keynotes. We did like a and A style and it was great. I learned a lot. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. Um, all right, Josh, as we wrap up here, three questions for you. All right. All right. First question, what brings you joy? outside of work? Oh, goodness. Uh, I do. I, I feel very strongly that having hobbies is really important. So I play Ooh, the piano. There's a piano behind me. Talk about, yeah. By the way, shout out to Josh for having the most beautiful room <laughs> I've ever had on the podcast. Like you win the award. I don't have a physical award, but if I did, I would send it to you. Um, so talk about why hobbies are so important real fast. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things, right? One is it's just for balance, right? Uh, if like you need things that give you joy in your life, um, specifically for some hobbies, like I also yo-yo, I have a yo-yo sitting beside me on the desk and there I found go. that it is an incredibly useful tool for helping like the back of your mind solve problems. Yes. So like if I'm stuck on a problem, I'll pick this up and throw it around. And like magically when I sit back down, solutions will have materialized in my brain. And it's shocking how often that happens. Um, so that's like, there is like a work benefit to the hobbies, but there's also just like a life benefit, right? It's just nice to feel like you're progressing in things. And, and I guess it's different for everybody. Like, I feel like, um, everyone in my family has always been like that. So I think I like just genetically have a predisposition to needing lots of hobbies, but I think everyone can, uh, can benefit from it. Can you do like fancy tricks on the yo-yo? <laughs> do you want to see a yo-yo trick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you do one real let's quick? For the sure. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Here we go. That, no one's ever seen Josh do a yo-yo trick. Here we go. And I don't know that I even like mostly. I what just sort in of, the world? Holy smokes! And it, you can't really see the string, but yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah. I can see it. Great! How? That's insane. Have you ever done competitions like locally? I did do like I think it's like 2003 or something. I have a medal. Bro, that's from, awesome! Uh, Look at that. That's crazy. It is a fun hobby. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That was oh, awesome. thank you. That was awesome. Uh, and how long have you been playing the piano for? It's tricky because it's another like 20 years, but okay. with several many year gaps in that. Um, 
I love yeah, it. Yeah, I'm like so-so at it, but I do find it very satisfying. I love it. Um, second thing, um, that was awesome. I've never had somebody do like a show and tell. I need to do that more. We need to do more show and tell on the show. <laughs> I forget uh, what conference. I think it's React Miami that they're talking about having a dev talent show. Yes, I'm just yes, so excited and, about that. And I plan on being down there, so I'll see you there. Um, uh, second thing um, is my question around tools, technologies, trends, frameworks, just anything maybe you're reading or tinkering with on the side that you wanted to maybe bring attention to. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but MDX, which is Markdown with JSX, is just a fantastic tool for any sort of educational product, whether it's a blog, technical documentation, anything like that. Um, it just gets better and better. Um, I do think like in the React ecosystem specifically, we're so spoiled for tools. Like we have Next.js, we have Remix. They're both just like fantastic ways to build full stack applications. Um, one of the things that I'm hoping to spend some time on, because I do feel like there's a bit of a gap right now, is in like really good CSS tools that fully embrace a lot of the newer technologies. I've seen like Panda CSS is working on this. I think Kuna CSS is another one. Um, I haven't really experimented with either of them, and I'm excited to see like people exploring these ideas. It's something that sure. I want to explore myself. But uh, yeah, that's those are the that. things that I'm currently thinking about. I love that. Jerome, it's good to see you, buddy. Uh, hey, former Jerome. guest of the show. Um, last question as we wrap up here. And again, thank you all for hanging out with us. Uh, at 3 p.m., quick reminder, I'm going live on, live on Render ATL's page with Anthony Mays and the job father, Jermaine Murray, to talk about conferences. So if you want to head over to Render, set an alarm, 3 p.m. Central today on Render's page. We're going live with those two beautiful gentlemen. Um, so last question. Uh, the show is called Guidance Counselor 2.0 for a reason. We had guidance counselors in middle school, high school, and kind of college. But now really as adults, when we need probably guidance counselors the most, we don't have anybody to turn to for just career advice. What would be your biggest piece of career advice now to younger Josh? Yeah, it's a good question. So I mentioned that I started building my course business in 2020. Um, that was prompted by a nerve injury that I got. I hurt my elbow, ironically doing physiotherapy. Like the physiotherapy exercise caused another injury, which is very frustrating. Very um, frustrating. But I spent a few months not really being able to type or use a mouse. And I have a blog post coding by voice about how I was able to like Whoa. Uh, still be productive with a microphone, actually the same microphone I have right over here, um, as well as uh, an eye tracker. So those two things together, the eye tracker serves as a mouse replacement. The microphone was for dictation. Um, it was really cool, actually. And I, That's like I awesome. you. If you Google Josh coding by voice, you'll hopefully find my blog post. You can see exactly. I have a little demo of what that looks like. Um, That's awesome. But so for these six, seven, eight months, I don't remember exactly how long, um, I was really thinking about like, like, and this is sort of morbid. I apologize for bringing the mood down a little bit. But I imagined everyone has like a number floating above their head, which is the number of keystrokes left in their life. And every time you press a key on a keyboard, that number decreases by one. <laughs> Whoa. <'Cause... laughs> And so the way that I started Damn. thinking about it is that this keystrokes are a resource, right? In the same way that like you have a number of, in your bank balance, uh, use that resource wisely, like figure out like every keystroke that you're doing, every line of code that you write should be intentional and should be serving a goal for yourself, whatever that goal is. In my case, I wanted to create courses. And so I left my job and started building course business that I'm doing now. And it's been, I wish I had done it a couple of years earlier. So yeah. That's awesome. I love that. And, and Scott, shout out to you for throwing. Ah, thanks for sharing. Uh, Scott, Scott is Scott is on this one. Sweet. Um, all right. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you again. I stay on real quick so I can say bye to you backstage. But everybody tune in. Thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, go connect with Josh. Uh, send him a DM. Tell him you saw him on the show. Go buy his course. Support Josh. Again, I'm not a developer, but I love what Josh is doing. I've admired what Josh has done for a very long time just as an entrepreneur and putting himself out there. Um, so again, Josh, thank you again for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. 
And uh, we'll see y'all 3 p.m. on Render's page. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Hey, you did it. You listened to an entire episode, and I am very grateful because you know why? There's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of episodes, and I myself rarely finish an entire episode. So I appreciate you so, so much for listening. Quick reminder, please rate and review this podcast in the App Store. I want this to be discoverable to others. And the only way that happens is if you take the time right now and rate and review it. Please, like right now, unless you're driving, then don't do it. So thank you again. If you need to reach out to me at TDeston on all social media handles, and I hope you have a fantastic day.